Chapter 11 Conscious Incarnation 1 It is impossible to steer your way through life. If you have your hands on the wheel of your life and you are trying to make your way somewhere, then you will have to learn by crashing. I say this because I have learned from crashing a lot. So, I recommend taking your hands off the wheel and letting life, God, steer. You will go through a lot less suffering. This has everything to do with conscious incarnation. But there are some important discussions that need to set the stage before I go deeply into this topic, which is the culmination of the practice. But, because you are probably curious about this chapter's title, Conscious incarnation means that you accept the potential that life, will, does, and can change infinitely, and you allow that truth to transform you. This has multiple implications for your life. In an earlier chapter, I urged you to release emotions around such inevitable but natural events as death. But now, I'd like you to consider releasing emotions around your own natural death, the death of your physical form and the person you consider yourself to be. How do you come to terms not only with the death of your body, but with the death of you as a field of consciousness? How do you die with conscious awareness? You, as your body, and you, as a field of consciousness, will go through an infinite number of changes throughout the eternal process that is life. Haven't we changed many times since we were newborn babies? Yes, you and I will continue to change eternally. Life, death, are intertwined so much that we don't realize that death, in part, is what keeps us alive. To begin, realize that how you perceptually and emotionally experience life will directly affect how your body experiences life. Thoughts of resistance and feelings of stress cause dis-ease, which will manifest in your body. An example is my own resistance to letting go of being a doctor who provided chiropractic adjustments to being a doctor who was able to more fully become a spiritual teacher. My resistance to this change contributed to intense neck and arm pain. Yet, when I surrendered the part of me that was attached to being a chiropractic doctor and let that part of myself die, then the neck and arm pain spontaneously resolved and has not returned since. I told you I've tried to steer my life and I've had to learn through crashing. This is an example of how allowing necessary change resolves disease and heals suffering. I could have continued to adjust patients until I had to quit because of pain, but I chose to surrender into the truth more deeply. At that point, suffering was no longer necessary because I had removed my resistance to divine order. The symptoms resolved immediately. Life thrives on divine order. In a similar way, our emotions and feelings affect how our bodies experience death, including the bodily changes that occur or fail to occur and how they occur. I will compare this kind of emotional and perceptual stance towards your own death to the intuitive approach that I recommend in the practice. I hope it will give you better understanding of how death is always with us, how it keeps us alive, and how accepting it leads to conscious incarnation and transformation. First, let me briefly review the emotional stance towards our own death. From a young age, we are taught to fear death, but the truth is that we exist within life and we rely on the force of death in part for our aliveness. Science has proven that every cell in our body dies and is replaced. We had to die to infancy to become a child, and die to childhood to become a teenager, and die to adolescence to become adults. We rely on death to go on living. Therefore, it behooves us to embrace all of life, which includes the moments of our own death. As I studied in life's classroom and developed my intuitive knowing, I began to sense that as well-intentioned as we may be about accepting death, our addiction to our emotions around it has kept us from transforming our consciousness as rapidly as we could. 
we are advancing at a slower rate than our potential will allow. On a purely physical level, if you brush your arm with your hand, you have instantly killed 10,000 skin cells. You are not the same. Our bodies exemplify on a microcosmic level what is going on continuously in the universe, a dying and regenerating. Our red blood cells live 120 days. Every 120 days, our red blood cells, part of us, die and are regenerated. And as a result, so are we. Our organs, too, are constantly being regenerated. We know that cells within the organs only last a certain number of days or years, and we know that we don't have the same cells in our body that we did when we were children. Ask yourself, why would a person be sick for a prolonged period of life when the organs involved in the sickness would have regenerated, perhaps multiple times during the lifetime, of the sickness? By now, you know the answer, because we hold on, because we don't allow ourselves to outgrow our emotional attachments to who we think we are. Our egocentric attachment to things in life, even sickness, maybe especially sickness, keeps that energy of disease present even in the new cells that are generated in the organs. Otherwise, we would outgrow sickness like we did when we were children. Cellular memory is based on our past emotional experiences. Cells of themselves don't want to remember to be afraid or to live in fear. We imprint those emotional experiences on our cellular memory, and that memory is not only imprinted in the cells of our body as a cellular memory, it is also imprinted on our souls. Soul memory carries on from lifetime to lifetime. Just because your cells die doesn't mean your soul memory dies. This is why past lifetimes can have a present physical symptom in our present lives because the energy around belief, emotions, and our opinions about life continue to be stored in our soul memory. I'll say it again. Part of us goes on infinitely. It makes sense that life goes on because God wants us to resolve, and life encourages us to resolve. That disease that is triggered by old emotional patterns, especially of fear, let go of those fear patterns. Unless you resist, life will take these emotional patterns and beliefs from you. Life is always asking us to go to places where we are scared, nervous, or worried, because those are the beliefs that keep us from growing in consciousness. Those are the ones we must release. You can resist this process, but when you resist, life demands that you resolve the fear patterns. Too often, we don't allow ourselves to outgrow our emotions and the reactions that they cause in us. We believe they are necessary to get through life. We believe they are too necessary to let go. When truth be told, they only cause us increased sickness and dis-ease. I hope you understand now that your emotions and reactions are intimately involved in the disease process, and they can literally be the seal of your own death. Emotions and feelings affect self-chemistry. When disease cells reproduce based on your emotional reactions or your opinions and judgments, they are based on those emotional reactions. The cells hold on to the disease that would otherwise naturally die, just as naturally as our skin cells or our red blood cells. But some people are very attached to what should be. Some people are very much attached to their own disease, so much that they refer to it as my disease. If our cells are continually being replaced, what is guiding the new cells to be sick? We are. We can tell those cells to die, and they will die if we can let our emotions around the illness die. As we let ourselves die to what we believe is the truth about us, allowing ourselves to become more conscious, then those cells will be strengthened and guided by the higher consciousness. Tell any cells of disease in you to die. This is what I do. I help people die by bringing them into a new conscious incarnation or higher enlightenment that creates an order in the cells so that people can then heal spontaneously. I help people identify all the areas of their lives where they are stuck or hanging on, where their emotions are at work and their reactions are at work. I help them release those places where they are stuck. 
When they do release their emotions, their belief thoughts, or their consciousness around those thoughts, beliefs, and events, they make room for a higher level of consciousness to be born into their system. Once the lower level of consciousness disappears, what is what life wants to happen, then the new higher level of consciousness takes over and people experience what they think is a spontaneous healing. Something is gone and they wonder how I did it. This is how. Yet I want to teach all people how to do spontaneous healing for themselves. It's not a trick. It is a truth. I use the force of life, the force of birthing, and the force of dying to heal people. Many people consider physical death beautiful in the classic sense that death releases us from the feelings, thoughts, judgments, disease, and sickness that we have been unable to release. So the assumption is that death, in this sense, transforms our suffering. But just because we die doesn't mean we necessarily transform. And death of the body does not mean death of the infinite consciousness. Emotional energy will slow down transformation, which I'll discuss in the next chapter. So you can always choose to experience your own or another's death emotionally, like you've become used to. But if you choose this way, remember, that resistance breeds disease. So you may not have a pleasant time of it, and neither will those around you. Let's look at this topic one other way. We live in a society that generates friction and conflict on an ongoing basis. We navigate through life trying to avoid the friction and conflict we've created. Yet, some of us have found the truth through engaging in friction, conflict, death of form, and deterioration, while others of us have found the truth by avoiding friction and conflict. Let me say this in a different way. Some of us have found health by avoiding sickness. Others have found peace through war. All this time, for the most part, we have been gaining consciousness in an oppositional manner. We oppose life in one way or the other. As a result, we are getting punitive healing, so to speak. We are literally hurting ourselves, punishing ourselves to be healed. We have to be punished if we're going to get better. We cannot get better without being punished. Add to this our tribal nature, how we want to stick together, how we don't want to be alone or go out onto the edge, how we want to fit in and not be too different, and you have all the ingredients for keeping your growth and consciousness to a rate within a standard deviation of normal range. This ensures that we aren't a black sheep, that no one thinks we're crazy, and that we fit in with the band. That's why I keep saying, there's no personal choice. Take your hands off the wheel, because you and I know that given a personal choice, you and I will reflexively and instinctively hold on to those we love, those to whom we are emotionally attached. We will want to bring them along, even if they aren't ready yet. We will resist change so we can stay with them, because it's been our nature. But if we don't resist and impede life, which is always attempting to bring the highest good of all, we won't need to be punished any longer. It takes courage to become consciously incarnated. But life will give you what you need to do it because conscious incarnation will increase the consciousness of all. And that is life's purpose, the highest good for all. So let's transform. Transform.